0: You can't lose something eternal. Think your way through that. Suppose a man is saved for five years and then loses his salvation. What does he have? Five-year life. Suppose a man is saved for 10 years and he loses his salvation. He's got 10-year life. But if a man has eternal life and he loses it, he didn't have eternal life.
1: Oftentimes, individuals who profess faith in Jesus Christ become worried that their salvation may only be temporary, that it might be jeopardized by committing one or more sins. But to believe that implies that they are partly responsible for their justification, rather than Jesus Christ alone. Today on Search the Scriptures, Dr. Carl Brogy continues his look at Revelation 14, verses 12 and 13. We'll examine the lifestyle of those who are truly saved and also show that we can have confidence that what Jesus begins in those who believe, he'll complete until the day of Christ.
0: Those who are right with God, whose hearts have been brought in sync to the voice of God, and I'm not saying, hey, Carl, this is God Almighty. That's not what we're talking about here. When the Bible speaks of your hearing the voice of God, it's not typically with the exception of a few Old Testament saints where you literally hear His voice. Today, if you hear His voice, Hebrews says, He's talking about hearing it through the written Word of God. When you are reading the Scripture, you are hearing the voice of God Almighty. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Wait a minute, Pastor. I know some people were saved, but they're no longer saved. In fact, they totally renounced the Lord Jesus. They must have lost their salvation. Be careful when you say that, because the Bible makes a huge distinction between those who outwardly confess Christ and those who have more than with the mind have believed with the heart. But Pastor, what about these people who, you know, they come down front and and they say the sinner's prayer and they get baptized and Today, they want nothing to do with God, and they've renounced the faith, and they live immoral, wicked lives. Well, the Bible would say they've never been saved. Remember what John said? Put in the margin next to this verse, 1 John 2.19. 1 John 2.19, let me read to you from his first letter. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. He's talking about teachers in the church who appeared to be incredibly orthodox, but now renounce the living God. They went out from us, for if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out in order that it might be shown that they all are not of us. John is describing those who go for a while, but then they drift away. This is how Jesus said it in Luke 8. And by the way, Jesus taught this will be true in every church. Listen to Luke eight thirteen. He is in the parable of the sower describing those who have never truly been saved. Those on the rocky soil are those who when they hear receive the word with joy, they're stirred emotionally, and these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation they fall away. Now when you see the word believe without the preposition in accompanied with it, most of the time it just refers to head knowledge. The demons believe and tremble. Jesus spoke of the Jews who had believed him, and then he turns around and he says, you are of your father the devil. Whenever you see the word believe accompanied with the preposition, in 100% of the cases in the New Testament, it's describing genuine saving faith. Listen, the faith that fizzles before the finish was faulty from the first It was not a true, genuine, born-again, Bible-believing kind of faith. And people who some make a false start, they're stirred, they're emotional, but they don't persevere. Why? Because it never reached the heart. It never changed them. Notice, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give. We don't earn it. He gives eternal life to them. It is a gift. That's what secures you. Listen, if you could do something to lose your salvation, that would mean you would have to do something to earn your salvation. And this dear friend who called this week, friend, I I don't know who he was, but on the Bible line, he was often obviously very confused because he was in a church that was saying, well, if you do this certain sin, you're, you're severed from Christ and you lose your salvation. If it's a small sin, you're okay. But if it's a big sin, oh, you're in big trouble. Listen. When God saves us, those whom he foreknew, he glorified. There is an unbroken chain. He loses none. He saves us for the day of redemption. It is not faith plus work that saves. You're saved by faith alone, but a faith that saves is never alone. You'll follow Christ. Paul will say this in Romans 11:6. But if it is by grace, It is no longer on the basis of works, otherwise grace is no longer grace. If we are not, if, if we are not saved by our good works but by His grace, then we cannot be lost by our bad works. Listen to what the writer of the Hebrews said, for by one offering He is perfected for all time. The King James says forever those who are sanctified by the one offering of Christ there in Golgotha with His shed blood. He is not continually being sacrificed, as some falsely teach. One offering for all time forever secures the true child of God. You know, some people think, well, when God saves you, He just gives you a fresh start. That God makes the down payment and then you make the monthly installments. They think, okay, well, God's going to wipe the slate clean and give me a fresh start. But if I don't keep up the monthly installments, I'm going to lose this thing called eternal life. No, God doesn't give you a fresh start. God gives you a new position. He imputes to your account the very righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have a new position, Revelation 14, 13, we'll look at it in a moment, it is in the Lord. Today you are either in Christ, in His righteousness, given to you by His sheer mercy and grace on the basis of His substitutionary death, or you are in the righteousness that you were born with and forever lost if you die in that. So John says, I give eternal life to them. Listen to John six forty seven. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life, not will have, has this moment. You can't lose something eternal. Think your way through that. Suppose a man is saved for five years and then loses his salvation. What does he have? Five-year life. Suppose a man is saved for 10 years and he loses his salvation. He's got 10-year life but if a man has eternal life and he loses it, he didn't have eternal life. If you have something and you lose it, it's not something that's eternal, but the nature of the grace of God is eternal in its reflection. Let me give you a challenge. You find one verse in the Bible where a man is saved twice, and I'll change my opinion. There is none. People are never saved twice, not a singular verse in the Bible. These people who think you get saved and you lose it, and then you get saved again, and and then you might lose it again, you know, you're born again, and then you're unborn again, and then you get born again, again, and then you're unborn again, again, and then you get born again, again, again. Listen, just like there's only one physical birth, there's one spiritual birth. Period. And if you are not permanently changed, where you've come to know the Lord, where you're a new creature from the inside out, then there's a problem. My sheep hear my voice, I know them. A result of coming into this relationship where you can know the Lord, which is impossible when you're spiritually dead. You can only know Him in terms of existence and in terms of intellect. But when you're born again, the Spirit comes to live in you. And the promises they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. And and I give eternal life to them. They shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one shall snatch them out of my Father's hand. There's something magnificent here about the picture Jesus is giving that He wraps us in His omnipotent hand. You take this Susan B. Anthony silver dollar. I don't know why they call it a silver dollar. There's no silver in it. But, and that's me. I'm put in the hand of Christ. And Jesus said, no one shall snatch you out of my hand. My Father who has given me to you is greater than all, and no one shall snatch you out of my Father's hand. We're both God. Listen, you don't hold on to God. God holds on to you today. It is by the grace of God. You say that is too easy. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do. Because man in his self-righteous pride does not want to humble himself and receive grace. He wants to do something to earn and merit his salvation. You say, well, maybe no person could snatch you out of his hand, but the devil could. Listen, question, if Satan could snatch you out of the Father's hand, why hasn't he done that already? Listen, if you think that Satan could somehow snatch you out of the Father's and the Son's hand, and therefore you lose your salvation, then do you know what that implies? It implies that you're not lost yet because of the goodness of the devil. Listen, the devil doesn't like you. He hates you. He despises you and He is out to destroy you, but He cannot take you out of the Father's hand. In fact, it's in a middle voice when it says, they shall never perish. Literally, they shall never destroy themselves. You can't even take yourself out of the Father's hand. They shall never destroy themselves. Back here to the book of Revelation. Listen, if God didn't save me from me, he didn't save me from my worst enemy. He saved me from me. He secured me for all of eternity. Now look at Revelation fourteen twelve. Here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God. That's a fruit of salvation. And their faith in Jesus. Uh, this angel is describing believers who have perseverance and who have faith in Jesus. And what a contrast between those in 9 and 11, verses 9 to 11, who who've put their confidence in the Antichrist, who have refused the Lord Jesus and have embraced this false one-world leader. Where's your faith this morning? Look, there are people all over evangelicalism who make quote-unquote decisions, and in a short period of time, they are reunited with the world, the flesh, and the devil. They may have had an emotional experience, but they did not have conversion. Now finally and quickly, the lifestyle of the saved, third, saved people are those who have a promised reward. They have a promised reward. Verse 13, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, write. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, so that they may rest from their labors and their deeds will follow them. Now, seven times in the Revelation, we are told we hear a voice from heaven, and on each occasion when God does that, He's about to say something that is very, very important. It's basically like Jesus saying, truly, truly, verily, verily, listen up, this is important. right?" blessed or blessed. I don't know why we say it that way. We go with the old English. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Now, remember contextually, God is contrasting those who deify and follow the Antichrist with those who bow at the feet of the Lord Jesus. He has just spoken of these whose the smoke of their torment in verse 11 goes up forever and ever. They have no rest day and night. But of His people, He says, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Please notice how they are identified in the Lord. Everyone in this room, everyone within the sound of my voice on our other campuses, today you're either in Christ or outside of Christ. The most fundamental Definition of a Christian in the New Testament is that he is an individual in Christ. If you are in your righteousness, you are still lost. You're still a child of wrath, Paul says, by nature. And if you die that way, unless you're an unaccountable little baby, you will die forever lost. Blessed are those who die in the Lord. Why is it a blessing? because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that place that you go to is marvelous. It's prepared for us. God in his great wisdom and omniscience and omnipotence has, is creating a place that is conceived and designed and planned for his people. It's a marvelous place. My wife is has these butterfly plants and uh, G Gary Baker, our, our, he's the guy we buy all our plants from. They're the best, I'll tell you. And, and I, we get our plants from him, and, and all these butterflies come in, and this certain plant, and they lay eggs, and then they form a chrysalis. And you begin to watch these monarchs break out, and if you get them right after they break out, you can put them on your finger, and they'll just sit there, and they'll kind of… We used to put them on our children's nose, and they'd sit there, and they'd flap out their wings… And the design of the butterfly is so magnificent how God almost like painted the design on their wings. Our God who, who created the, the Alps or painted the design in a flower or made the magnificent intricacies of the human body is creating a place for you. By the way, this is the second of seven, a lot of sevens in Revelation, the second of seven Beatitudes right? Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Underscore, and you're thinking those last three words, from now on. Why does he add that phrase? Now, we often, myself included, have read this at funerals. And in one sense, it applies to every Christian, but it especially applies to the tribulation saints. And this phrase, from now on, is very important because they've reached a time in the tribulation Where if you follow Jesus, you're either starved to death because you can't buy or sell anything, but most people experience beheading. Off goes the head. You refuse Antichrist, take his head off, men, women, children. And at this point, it's far better to be dead at the hand of the Antichrist than it is to be alive as one of his doomed eternal followers. Look, you hear the Spirit's voice, yes, says the Spirit. Now, obviously, the Spirit is the author of all of this scripture. All scripture is given by inspiration through the Holy Spirit. Men who are moved by God spoke by the Spirit. But twice in the revelation, you hear the voice of the Spirit. And he simply says in one word, yes. Now, remember, it was the Spirit who convicted you of your sins. He uh, multiplied the guilt that you felt in your heart, showing you your need. He, when you believed on the Lord Jesus, made you alive together with Him. He regenerated you by Himself. You became a temple of the Holy Spirit. He allowed you to know the Lord. I'll put my spirit in them that they might all know me. He made God personal to you. He's the one, He uses human teachers and gifts human teachers, but He is the ultimate teacher who works behind us and He illumines the Scripture. He is the one who fills you so you can and live a godly life. He is the one who helps you. He is the one who gifts you. He is the one who comforts you in all of your grief. He is the one who seals you. And finally, when you die, the Holy Spirit says, yes! It's His divine amen! Because He has finished that which He has started, and His work is to bring you to glory. Now we see in this verse the strong contrast between the rest of the saints with those who are wicked, of whom we just read, they have no rest day and night. But here is the promise, they have rest from their labors, and it's an interesting word for rest, it means rest from the hard, difficult circumstances and toil. It is not a word that does not mean you will not work. We've already seen in Revelation 7 that they serve Him, the saints in heaven, day and night. We will have responsibility and privileges and we will work for the Lord Jesus in our glorified bodies during the millennial reign of Christ. But this word signifies the truth. That there'll be rest from the fatigue and the irritations and the annoyances and the afflictions and the persecutions that have plagued God's people living in this fallen world. You'll rest from all the struggles and disappointments and heartaches of life. There'll no longer be any death. There'll no longer be any mourning. There'll no longer be any crying. There'll no longer be any pain or tears, the scripture says. Rest, so they may rest from their labors, and then he adds, for their deeds follow with them. For these tribulation saints, and by application for every true child of God, our troubles will be over, and the only thing that will await us will be our reward. Heaven enough is a reward, but then God rewards you for your faithful service to Jesus Christ. Sometimes I see people quit, and I find out the reason they quit serving is because no one thanked them. Who are you serving? For God, though, is not unjust to forget your work. We should thank people. We should encourage them. But if you expect me to thank every person as your pastor for everything you do, you're not going to be here long. You don't serve me. If You're not serving Christ. If you're serving men, you'll want the thanks of men. But God is not unjust so as to forget your work. And there's so much you do that nobody sees. Much of what we do, nobody sees. Some of you moms stay at home, and and you're laboring over those kids. Some of the things you do, ladies, sees, but God does. How are we going to apply this today? Let me ask a few questions. Number one, do you demonstrate perseverance by a loyalty and obedience to Christ? That's the first question. Do you demonstrate perseverance by a loyalty and obedience to Christ? Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, He's a new creature, the old things pass away, behold all things have become new. If you're in Christ, if you've had a birth from above, you're a new creation and everything changes and one thing that will change is your obedience and your perseverance. Remember what Jesus said during this horrible time in human history? That's the context of the verse, it's during the first half of the tribulation. He said, but the one who endures to the end, the word there is not a noun, it's a verb, but it's the same word translated perseverance in our text. The one who perseveres to the end, he'll be saved. Listen, Jesus is not teaching you're saved by perseverance. That would be works. But He is teaching that if you are saved, you will persevere. And He is saying it, and it appears twice in the Revelation, in both in the context of deep persecution in the 13th chapter, of those who are being executed for Jesus. But they don't renounce Him. They persevere. I told you the faith that fizzles before the finish had a flaw at the first. Say that ten times real fast. (laughs) It keeps going. It doesn't renounce Christ. A lot of people are in for a big shock. Many, not a few, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, and He'll say to them, I never knew you. Here's the perseverance of the saints who keeps the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. Notice, this is not a suggestion. It's not even a commandment. It is simply a statement of fact. Do you have a true, genuine faith? Secondly, when you die, will your death be a blessing or a curse? Now, remember, the people who will be reading this during the Great Tribulation will be reading it during the worst time in human history. But in the midst of this hurricane, in the midst of this horrible storm, there's an eye of blessing. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Now, that seems like a rather strange statement. We might think it should read, well, blessed are the living, but not blessed are the dead. We might think the only people who could say, blessed are the dead, are or, or some terrorists who's been eternally deceived by some false religion, and they think that if they kill themselves, they receive all these great blessings as they destroy other people. And then there are those who advocate abortion and, and those who advocate euthanasia, and they think, well, taking the, the, the life of someone who's terminally ill is a blessing. But for most people, they they don't think of of death as a, a blessing, but it's described that way in the Scripture because it's not a loss, it is a gain. He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. This is how you get in the Lord. The Father made Jesus, who is sinless, who knew no sin, He made Him sin on your behalf. There on Golgotha, Peter said, He bore our sins in His body on the cross. Once for all time you weren't even alive. God saw all of your sin and He laid it on Christ. The one who knew no sin became sin on your behalf. Why? So that we could become, because we weren't before, the righteousness of God. That's what you need. You're going to go to heaven? you only get there if you have God's righteousness and you can't earn it. It's gifted. It's received by grace. Have you received it? Have you called upon Christ in faith and taken Him at His word, or are you trying to get there by the things that you do? God saved us so that we might worship Him. We've been saved from an awful, hideous place. We've been saved by someone who did all the work and paid it for in full that we might love Him freely and unconditionally. Now, Holy Father, I thank You today for Your Word, a lamp under our feet, and a light to our path. I pray today for someone who's listening to me. They're on some radio station, they're listening through the internet, they may even be here or on one of our campuses, and they are unsure that heaven is really their home. They hope to go to heaven, they want to go to heaven, but they don't know. And your word teaches they don't know because they've never received a gift that cannot be earned. Thank you that we can know on the basis of what Jesus did for us. Thank you that whosoever will may come. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came into the world to save sinners. I pray today, Father, for someone who needs to call upon Christ. Help them to know that you cannot lie, that you keep every promise. Your Word says it's impossible for you to lie. You teach that faith is believing what you promised. And you promise because of what Jesus did that whoever will call on his name will be saved. Help someone to say, Lord Jesus, save me. And Father, for those of us who have done that, may we never be ashamed of the gospel, which is the power of God for salvation. May we faithfully share it. May we see people the way You see people, either as a child of God or a child of wrath, either in the kingdom of God or in the kingdom of darkness. Help us to warn men and women to flee the wrath that is coming. Help us to be faithful stewards of the gospel this week as we attempt to share it. We ask for your help to accomplish that. We ask it for the glory of your Son in whose name we pray. Amen.
1: To listen again to today's message entitled The Lifestyle of the Saved, use the Search the Scriptures app for mobile devices or visit us online at searchthescriptures.org You can also order a CD or DVD by calling 877-787-7478 and requesting program REV39 Search the Scriptures is made possible through the prayers and financial support of listeners like you For more information call 877-787-7478 Thank you Tomorrow we begin to look at the wrath of God on earth. Join us then as we search the scriptures.